Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. The Dash for Gnome by Marguerite Borinelli. Balto was ready. As leader of the team, he stood proud and alert in front of the other dogs. He sniffed the cold air and pointed his nose into the gale that blew from the northwest. The start of a blizzard, he must have thought, if dogs think, and he must have wondered why his master was setting out on the trail in such weather. Perhaps there was a race to be run. Dog races were very popular in Alaska at the time, with rival kennels competing against one another in vivid and exciting contests. But Balto was not a racing dog. Tom Bradford, as he stood outside the trading station at Bluffs, said that very thing. He was watching idly as Gunnar Cawson prepared to get the team underway. You won't go far with that dog, Bradford nodded toward Balto. He's not very fast. That's what they say, replied Cawson, but I don't agree. Well, Bradford shrugged, you're the team driver. You can choose as leader any dog you wish, but I think you're making a mistake. Tom Bradford was an old-timer who knew every dog for miles around. He was familiar with Balto and knew his record. The dog had been in a few races and hadn't done well. He was considered slow, and with the other slow dogs, he was generally assigned to the work or scrub teams. Mushing between creek and town, these dogs took care of the short, everyday hauls so that the faster dogs would be free for more important jobs and to enter competitions. Cawson knew this, of course, but he wanted to give Balto a chance. He's strong and courageous, he told Bradford. That means a lot. Maybe so, Bradford turned to go inside. In any case, I wish you success. Thanks, said Cawson. He knelt down in the snow and patted Balto's thick black fur. Just then, a gust of wind rattled the sign in front of the building and caused the sled to shimmy in its tracks. Cawson glanced up, searching the dark evening sky. Weather looks bad, he remarked, still on his knees with the great Siberian husky licking his hand. But we can't let that stop us. This job's important, Balto. If it weren't important, we wouldn't be going. And you and your sledmates would be back at camp, curled up comfortably before a warm fire. Presently, they heard a familiar sound. From the distance came the yelping of dogs. It's Olsen, said Cawson. He's made it. And he ran out to meet the approaching team. How'd it go? he asked Olson. It's brutal out there, replied Olson, breathing hard. His fur parka was covered with snow. The winds are blowing at eighty miles an hour. We were blown right off the trail. You made good time, though, said Cawson. Yeah, replied his friend. They told us back at Gullivan that speed was important. Anyway, here's the package. He handed Cawson a small, securely wrapped carton. What's that? asked a curious girl who had come over to watch the exchange. Medicine, replied Cawson. Antitoxin to stop a diphtheria epidemic that's broken out in Nome. The city's pretty badly off, and unless the medicine gets there fast, many people will die. Where'd the medicine come from? questioned the girl. The Anchorage Railroad Hospital found these 300,000 units, explained Cawson, pointing to the package. The serum traveled from Anchorage to Nanana by railroad. Then, from Nanana to Nome, some 600 miles, they're relying on dog sled. That's where Mr. Cawson and I and the other drivers come in, added Olson. Since no one musher and no one team can travel 600 miles without stopping, the trip was divided into relays with each team taking a turn. The little girl nodded. I see. Something like a Pony Express. Right. 
It's worked, too, replied Cawson. All nineteen drivers so far, including Mr. Olson here, have made good time. Cawson noticed Olson rubbing his hands together. I think I got frostbite while putting blankets on my dogs, Olson commented. You better get inside, Cawson suggested. Don't worry, the worst is over. From here to Nome, it's about fifty miles. Shouldn't take too long. I hope not, said Olson, as he said goodbye and sought shelter. Cawson turned to his team. Thirteen fine, strong huskies, they stood in double harness in the hard-packed snow. Shifting in line, they seemed restless. You want to get started? said Cawson. He made a quick check to see that everything was in order. Harnesses and traces, G-pole and rudders. Everything was all right. He stowed the twenty-pound parcel of medicine and tied it down. Good luck, mister, the girl said with a smile. Thanks. Cawson grabbed the bars of the sled, gave a signal to Balto, and dashed out in the direction of Nome. His course was due west. Cawson knew the trail. He'd been over it in all kinds of weather. During the short Alaskan summer, he found it a kind and friendly place with flowers in bloom along the hillsides and gently flowing streams to cheer the lonely traveler. But this isn't summer, he reminded himself. It's the middle of winter, with the temperature 30 below zero and the wind chill factor minus 70. He led the team without too much trouble, however, and in the beginning made good time. The ground was firm and hard. It was easy for the dogs to keep their footing. Mush on, Balto, he called every so often. Mush on, boy! He spoke not in command, but in encouragement. Balto scarcely needed a command. He was a good work dog. Always pulling his share and more of the load, never one to slacken his pace, he hadn't a lazy bone in his body. With Balto in the lead, the dogs worked as one, pulling the sled and its precious cargo over frost-rimmed hills and frozen streams, past snowdrifts dozens of feet high, and along cliff sides that looked down on deep and dangerous canyons. At one point they came to a steep hill. The team can't make it, thought Cawson. It's asking too much of them. We'd better go the long way. Just as he thought this, just as he was about to change course, the dogs in one great surge of power made it to the top. Good work, said Cawson, glad that the shortcut had worked after all. Ordinarily, the dogs could have taken it easy on the downward slope, but they couldn't take it easy this time. On the other side of the hill, as they glided downward, Cawson saw that they were coming to an ice-covered lake. He looked again and realized that the ice was thin, even broken up in spots. They're heading right into it, he thought in panic. Again, the dogs surprised him. Quick and intelligent, they sensed the danger and made a wide circle in the snow. They missed the lake easily and soon were on firm, flat ground. Cawson sighed with relief. It was a close call, but it told him one thing. The team was good, as good as any he had ever driven. He realized this more and more as the hours passed. True dogs of the North, they pitted their strength and endurance, their muscle and mind against the elements that humans have tried to conquer but have never overcome. We've done pretty well so far, Cawson muttered as he guided the sled through the wilderness. We've covered almost thirty miles in five hours. Before too long, we can call it a day. The next driver will take over, and it'll be camp for us and some good hearty grub. But even as he spoke, he felt that trouble was on the way. At first there was nothing more than a few white specks floating through the air, hardly enough to cause alarm. Except for the wind, they would have passed unnoticed, 
but Kossin knew the danger of snow and wind on the trail. The specks became larger and more numerous. Soon great flurries of snow fell from the heavens. Fanned by the gale, they set in motion the worst blizzard the team driver had seen in many a winter. He was indeed worried, not so much for himself, not even for the dogs. They would come through all right, but when would the precious package reach Nome? The success of the mission depended on time. Would he be delayed on the trail? Would the medicine reach the stricken city only after it was too late to be of use? The other drivers had done well. Was their work to be lost at the last minute with the antitoxin so near its destination? The blizzard continued, gathering strength. Suddenly, a fierce blast of wind lifted both the sled and the dogs into the air, and they came down with a tumble. While fighting to right the sled and untangle the team, Kossin realized something that sent a chill through his heart. The serum was gone! He desperately began digging in the snowdrifts for the antitoxin, removing his gloves in order to better feel around for the package. Miraculously, he stumbled upon it, but his bare hands had suffered frostbite in the process. Getting the team back up, he pressed onward through chest-deep snowdrifts. Cawson couldn't see the trail in front of him. He couldn't see the dogs. He tried to lead them, but found it all but impossible. He had to admit that he was no longer master of the team. He decided to give Balto his head, letting him go where he would. If I can't lead Balto, I'd better let him lead me, he thought. It was a wise move. In spite of the blizzard, in spite of the darkness and glare ice, Balto kept on the course. Instinctively, he did what was right, following a sure, straight line as he pressed ever westward. Port Safety, about twenty miles east of Nome, should have been their stopping point, the end of their particular relay. Another team was there to take over, just as Cawson had relieved Olson. We should be coming to safety now, Cawson thought, over there beyond the lagoon. But when he pulled up to port safety at 3 a.m., ahead of schedule, he found that the next driver was asleep. Kossin knew it would take time for him to dress and prepare his team, time that could mean the difference between life and death. Should I go on? Kossin wondered. The dogs are going well. They've got their footing, and that's important. Changing teams will mean delay. He was badly in need of rest, but what about the antitoxin? What about the sick people in Nome? Better go on, he decided. Better not stop. It was a hard decision to make. Kossin knew that the dogs were as tired as he was. The team was near the breaking point. All except Balto. If Balto was tired, he didn't show it. Though he knew nothing of epidemics, diphtheria, or antitoxin, he sensed that there was a job to be done. Keen of sight and scent, he used all his faculties, all the strength of his hard-muscled body to keep himself going and keep the other dogs going as well. There, at the front of the line, he was a challenge to his teammates, providing the best possible reason for their keeping the pace. If Balto could do it, they could too. If he wasn't tired, neither were they. And so, in spite of snow and gale, in spite of hunger and exhaustion, they pressed steadily forward. Mush on, Balto! Mush on, boy! Cawson's voice rang through the crisp, cold air. If only Tom Bradford could see Balto now, thought Cawson. Not good enough for a racing team, and here he is winning the most important race of all. They traveled through the night and into the dark Alaskan morning, a total of more than seven hours. Presently, the outline of a city came into view. 
In the distance loomed a few buildings and a faint glimmer of light. Gnome at last! Cawson cried as he pulled the team to a stop on the main street of town. A group of grateful early risers met him and watched as he stumbled to the front of the dog team. In exhaustion, he said simply, Fine dog! Balto wagged his tail and gave a short, friendly yelp. Balto had finished the race and remained faithful, saving many lives. Epilogue Today there stands in New York City's Central Park a statue in honor of Balto and his valiant canine comrades, including Togo, who led his team 91 miles. A bronze plaque at the base of the statue reads, Dedicated to the indomitable spirit of the sled dogs that relayed antitoxins 600 miles over rough ice, across treacherous waters, through arctic blizzards, from Nanana to the relief of stricken Nome in the winter of 1925. Endurance, Fidelity, Intelligence. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.